0: Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase.
1: Hi, I'm Suzanne Lenzer. My new book is called
0: Graze Inspiration for Small Plates and Meandering Meals. Suzanne has always been one of my favorite cooks because she gets what makes home cooking so great, not fancy tools or exotic ingredients but just the act of being in the kitchen, cooking for those she cares about, taking good ingredients and letting them shine. I love this book because it's exactly how I cook and how I love to eat. High praise from Mark Bittman. (laughs) Describe the art of grazing. You know, I don't know
1: if it's so much an art form as it is partially, at least for me, laziness. Um, but to me, grazing is all about enjoying lots of little bites, small plates, different flavors, and just enjoying moving from dish to dish, not just eating a you know one single bowl of pasta or one roast chicken, which I love. Um, but grazing to me is just a more communal way of eating, and um, it just somehow feels like you're engaging with the food when you have lots of little things to pick from, if that makes any sense.
0: How did you pivot from a successful advertising career to enrolling in the Institute for Culinary Education ICE?
1: That is a long story. I will make it short for you, but I, (laughs) I was, um, I was burning out on advertising. I actually had left a big agency for a few years, had been on my own, and I had always wanted to cook. I'd gone gone to London right after college hoping to cook. I ended up waiting tables, another story, but um, I suddenly realized I just wanted to be classically trained. I didn't expect to do anything with it. I thought it would just be like fun to know the mother sauces. Um, It was all for me, but to get out of culinary school, you do have to do an externship of 200 hours. And that's how I pivoted into food styling and writing full time. I, I, um, had to burn those hours working for someone and I ended up working for Mark Bittman and, um, the rest is sort of history at this point. Did you always love cooking? always loved cooking as a kid. Um, my mom is a great cook. She's, I'm from California and she's kind of was ahead of the game on California cooking as much as a mom in the seventies can be, but she was always using olive oil before that was kind of the thing. And she, um, she liked to cook and I just liked to be by her side. Um, I wasn't, never been a super fancy cook until I really got into my twenties and wanted to start making, you know, more fancy quote unquote food, but I was always, um, excited to be in the
0: kitchen. Talk about how your entire style of eating changed after your first trip to Spain with your husband. That was so funny and strange in
1: retrospect. We took this great trip together to southern Spain. We um, ambled down from Seville to – went down to – um, Granada, and then over to Ronda, Ronda and then we went up to Cordoba. We just sort of were, we didn't follow a plan even, we were just rambling around. And we had tapas our first afternoon after landing, um, which of course we'd had in New York. But we had them at this little bar, we were starving, we were exhausted, and they were revelatory. And we just kept eating little bits of Iberco ham and buttery olives and manchego and, um, you know, just octopus, everything, the whole trip. We just never went out for a real meal because it was so much fun. We kept saying, we're tired. Let's go get a glass of wine and, you know, a tapas. Um, and when we came home, it was almost like something had changed in our metabolism. We just didn't crave dinners anymore as much as that kind of sitting down to a few little plates of things to share. Um, and we stuck with it pretty well. I mean, we still do. I, I make homemade pizza, um, dough on Sundays and we'll still have a small pizza and a salad. But as I say in the book, even that is kind of a form of grazing for us because, you know, we both nibble while we're cooking and then we sit down and we sort of jump from, jump from a half a slice of pizza to a few, you know, pieces of Parmesan cheese and a crouton. And it's just, um, it just feels like a really right way for us to eat. It's almost like you had to unwind from what our parents told us. Totally, Susie. It's interesting. I, I actually mentioned that in the book. I think I say something like, you know, the way we've been conditioned to eat. Because I do think, you know, moms were brought up, you know, bring up their kids and they want to feed them wholesome food. And it's, you know, that's kind of like a meat and two veg, or maybe these days not meat, but two veg and a starch. And and um, I think it's how we all think we should eat. And I'm a real rule follower. So I always was like, well, I have to have a real dinner. Um, grazing liberates me in that sense. I don't feel, I feel like, oh, I'm an adult. I can actually eat what I want to eat. I mean, <laughs> and it's it's a nice way, I think, for the cook too. I mean, if you love to cook, it's great, but not everybody does. And I feel like grazing kind of liberates you from that idea of what, you know, what comes first, what comes second. Do I need to serve a salad? Is there have to be an appetizer? If you think of it as just a cohesive, holistic meal of lots of little things, it, it seems like just a, a freer way to put food on the table to me.
0: On the other hand, the thought of putting out a bunch of small dishes <laughs> is a <laughs> bit overwhelming. So walk us through your planning and shopping tips to simplify the whole thing.
1: Of course. No, I know that's, um, that's actually a hurdle. It is definitely a conceptual hurdle. Um, I fully admit, but what I do, and I, this is, again, I'm a, a full on admit that I'm a cheater sometimes in the kitchen. I'm a really big fan of not trying to do everything yourself all the time. I think we've been conditioned from food television and, you know, glossy magazines, um, to believe that like, we have to make everything from scratch and we have to, you know, and, and it's great. And I love making things from scratch, but there are times where I think just good shopping, good, smart shopping. And as I, you know, a little bit of chopping is all you need to do. Um, so some of the ways that I talk about, making grazing easier is you know, you don't have to cook things to put out. You can pick one thing that's relatively simple to cook and then build around it with wonderful fresh vegetables that you just need a knife to slice and, um, serve on a side with some, you know, beautiful Malden salt or drizzle olive oil. And I'm totally a fan of buying really good provisions. I, you know, you and I live in New York city and it's easier in some ways for us, but these days you can find wonderful things anywhere, um, at good grocery stores. And I'm a real advocate for buying jarred, you know, good jarred um, olives or artichoke hearts or sun dried tomatoes. I buy canned beans. I buy my arugula, you know, in a a pre-washed box. I don't have, I mean, I try to buy uh, the best stuff I can rationalize and the best I can find. But I also think we all have to work within our means and just, you know, do what's right for our own sense of self. Um, so it, going back to your original question, making it easier to me is not trying to cook at all. Pick something you want to make, pick one thing that seems fun and challenging, and then put a great loaf of bread out, put a dish of olive oil, get some, you know, fabulous fresh tomatoes, half an avocado, you know, peel, shave some corn off the cob and drizzle it with like chili powder. And it, it can
0: really be much more of a picnic feeling if you think about it that way. I made your grazing menu called Mexico versus California. And it was it was exactly what you just talked about, like with um, the tostadas. I got the tortillas at the grocery store and and then mixed up the black bean and uh, fresh lime juice and then put the avocado and crab on top. That was so easy, but it, it, it kind of took it to a different level. And your fresh corn kernels tossed with chopped tomato, cilantro, and lime juice, that was amazing, too. You should feel okay as a home cook, you know, buy the best
1: tortillas you can find and, you know, pick up a can of black beans and put them in the food processor with some fresh cilantro and lime juice and buy some crab and and call it dinner. It doesn't have to be this overwrought, overthought kind of eating. It should be, I mean, this goes back to what we're all so in favor of these days, which is, you know, eating what's ripest Freshest and most in season at the right time, you don't need to do much to it if you're buying really good stuff. And that's harder for us here on the East Coast in the winter. But still, you know, there are always ways to to make things easy in the kitchen um, if you just get a little creative. But I love that you love those tostadas. I think that's it's like one of my parlor tricks. It's just you know, it doesn't take that much if you're using really great, flavorful things to pile them together and have a delicious, easy dinner or lunch or snack or whatever.
0: And crab always makes everything luxurious.
1: It does, I think. It totally does.
0: So, give us an example of how you would deconstruct a complex meal to incorporate the Gray's philosophy.
1: Well, the one I always go back to because I am just so I so so love cassoulet is that I I make a cassoulet um, that takes some time. It's in the book actually. And it's, it's not a, you know, a a 30 minute dinner by any stretch, but it's a commitment. It's like a Sunday, you know, a chilly Sunday morning. You decide you want some big thick stew and you're going to spend some time chopping and cooking and enjoying being in the kitchen. But what I always say about cassoulet is you can deconstruct that meal. And if that's what you're craving, you can easily turn it into a grazing meal without even turning on the oven. If you think of it in terms of a dish of white beans, some tomatoes, sun-dried or otherwise, um, some sausage, duck, you know, you just, I, I have a lot of vegetables in mind, so fresh zucchini, a hunk of great bread. You sort of take the ingredients, the classic ingredients from that dish, put them apart and think of them as a tapas. And I think that's, to me, a really interesting way to come up with grazing menus. I mean, there's obviously thinking of what's, in, what's um, in season at the same time. There's regionality. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I want something French or Spanish, you know, you kind of know what those things that go together are. But deconstructing other meals to me, especially like if you have a favorite pasta um, that you just love, you go out for it, you love it, you know, you know, you think about it, and you're like, oh, it's pancetta, it's peas, asparagus, and and, you know, Parmesan cheese. If you take those ingredients and you think of them and you either quickly, you know, blanch the asparagus, drizzle it with some olive oil, put out some wonderful ham, um, a loaf of bread, Parmesan cheese or otherwise, you've just taken apart a delicious meal you love and really simplified it. And you actually barely have to cook any of those things, but you get the same sort of
0: sensibility and flavors. I love how you wrote that your recipes are dishes that require only small meditative efforts in the kitchen. I love being in the
1: kitchen and not everybody does. So it's something, you know, I have to keep in mind when I'm thinking about, you, you can say these things and be like, who doesn't love spending hours in the kitchen? Well, a lot of us <laughs> don't love spending hours in the kitchen. And I, you know, people say, I just love washing lettuce. I don't love washing, washing lettuce, but I will say I get, I can really get calmed down in the kitchen. And there are certain things I love to do. I mean, I love, I make homemade bread a lot. I love kneading bread. Um, I do love stirring risotto. I, I find some of those moments are very, very therapeutic. Um, and if you don't take it too seriously, you know, I think so many of us as cooks, again, I go back to like the media environment we live in now, we're very, um, we're convinced that we need to strive to do restaurant style dinners or, you know, these very fancy kind of like, you know, cooking for show in front of friends. And I think you've got to let that go and you've got to let yourself just say, hey, I want to make something delicious and easy and I want to have fun doing it. Because to me, the meals that I make that work the best are the ones where I'm just having a good time. As soon as I sort of get tied up in knots and think, oh, I'm making this for my in-laws or for friends or for, you know, that's when things go awry. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So in Grays you also talk about how you want to enjoy a similar simplified menu like the ones you enjoy in your favorite restaurants.
1: Totally. And, you know, my favorite restaurants, and you and I live in the same neighborhood, so it's, I think we'll probably have the same ones in mind. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love, there's a place down on Grove Street that I, that I just love. And, you know, it's fun Bouvette. to go. Well, I love Bouvette, but Via Corotta is the one I was thinking of, actually. (laughs) Same owner. Same owners, exactly. But I love being able to go in there and sit down in a really wonderful, casual environment, jeans, whatever, and get a really nice glass of wine, and then share share. Dishes with friends I mean, whether it's two of us or 10 of us, you can always, you know, everyone gets to pick something, some of it, you're going to love some of it. You're going to like, love more. And there's just this, like I said before, this communal aspect to sharing food, um, that restaurants do really well because, you know, you're sitting there being served and they're bringing out the small dishes and it all works together because, you know, ostensibly the chef has created a menu with an aesthetic, you know, so it does, it all feels of a piece. Um, you know, at home, recreating that seems, as you said, a little onerous because, oh, you know, what goes with what and how many things do I have to make? But the reality of it is it's the experience that we enjoy at those restaurants so much, the idea of being with friends, sitting, eating and tasting different things. And I and I think that's what I was trying to bring home with Grays, is that you can do that. You don't have to try to, you know achieve the same level of culinary expertise as you get in restaurants, but you can mimic that experience very easily if you're willing to
0: sort of disband with some of the conventional thinking about what dinner should be. This is the cookbook that you can also pack in your suitcase if you're renting a house this summer.
1: That is super kind of you to say, and I hadn't actually thought of it that way, although it's funny is I am... I will say a lot of the inspiration for these dishes comes from, um, my husband and I have a little cottage we are fixing up in Connecticut. And so on the weekends, we really do eat this way largely out of, for sake of ease, like what's in the fridge, what do we have? What can we pull out? Um, as I said, I make bread, so there's always frozen bread. So it's always like pull out a half a loaf of bread, let that defrost. And then what's left over from last night's barbecue, what cheese do you have? And it is easy to pull things together. And I think in the summer especially we're all looking for ways to to spend less time in the kitchen. You want to be, you know, a little slicing, a little dicing, some chopping, a lot of sipping, but a pretty much you want to be sitting out on the patio enjoying yourself, not like slaving over a hot, hot oven. At least I don't.
0: So while we're grazing, what should we be sipping?
1: I um, never pretend to be um, an expert in this department, but I know what I like. Um, And I always say to people, drink what you like. I mean, I, you know, I love wine. I'm a big wine drinker. I know enough to be dangerous. (laughs) Probably not. You know, I know when to keep my mouth shut around people who know a lot more than (laughs) I do, but um, I think you should drink what makes you happy. And, you know, I, I, feel strongly that you know if you want to have a beer with your oysters instead of a glass of champagne or rosé or you know muscadet great have a beer if you want a cocktail have a cocktail with you know dinner and, and and just enjoy it i mean the whole point of grazing to me is eating what you like in a way that makes you comfortable and allows you to enjoy the food and the company you're with and to me you know drinking is exactly the same thing i mean i'm um i'm not a a teetotaler by any stretch and I don't wait for the weekends to splash out. I do have a glass of wine most nights, sometimes too. Um, and I enjoy that. That's part of the ritual for me of the, of the winding down of the day, you know, is having that, that sip of wine. And in terms of what people should buy again, wine can be specifically can be intimidating. Um, I, I think we all feel that way. I mean, unless you really are very, very well versed in it. Um, It's hard to walk into a store and, and, you know, ask questions without feeling a little silly. But I always feel like it's worth it. You know, people who know more, you're going to learn a lot if you walk in and you start asking questions, you know a bit about what you like, you tell them, you try a few new things. Um, it's, It's, you know, it's an experience and it's an adventure to try new things to drink. But I would say drink whatever it is that makes you happy. Don't worry about the seasons. If you want red in July, go for it. Um, if, you know, if you want champagne with your burger, go for it, just do what makes you happy.
0: So since we live in the same neighborhood, we also go to the same butcher ottomannelli's. We do. I love Frank. What is your go-to at the butcher? Well, Frank is my go-to at the butcher actually.
1: (laughs) half the time I go down there is just to hang out with him and watch him work. Um, and we've become pals over the years because for styling, obviously sometimes I'm going in there and not buying, you know, dinner for two, but buying, you know, Chuck, uh, pot roast for, you know, three days of 40 pot roasts or something like that. I think once I did buy 70 chicken breasts from him or something like that, but, um, my go-to at the butcher in terms of buying for us is usually small bits. And, um, you know, I also love, um, uh, Murray's and Faccio's which are both right down the street as well and they're all great because you know you can get a third a pound of prosciutto or you can get two sausage from Frank and you can get you know a bit of ground lamb Um, but you don't have to buy a ton and that's one thing I do talk about as well in Greys, is that you know we don't eat a ton of meat we are are carnivores but we don't we don't consume a lot of it. And I think one thing having a good butcher, especially is great because, you know, you go in, you talk to them, you ask them what's best right now, what they suggest you learn a ton from them, but you also, you know, you don't need to eat massive amounts of it, of meat to get the flavor you want. You don't have to treat it like a garnish, but you also don't have to treat it like it's, you know, the main focus of your meal. Um, but yeah, I pretty much go to Ottoman Alley for Frank. I can't lie about that. He's, he's my, he's my pal. <laughs>
0: I love him. He's always singing songs that are maybe a little, <laughs> little off color, <laughs> <laughs> totally. but he's a blast. He is a blast. So where can we find you on the web?
1: You can find me at com. What you'll find is, um, a little bit more about Graves, a little bit more about my previous cookbook, Truly Madly Pizza, and then probably a lot of pictures of food because as you know, when I'm, um, not writing, I'm usually styling. So most of that website is going to be, um, a portfolio for my
0: styling. I'm going to be cooking like this all summer long. Thanks, Suzanne, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast.
1: Susie, thanks so much for having me.
0: Subscribe in iTunes and follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book, on Twitter at I am Susie Chase. Thank you so much for listening to Cookery by the Book podcast.